Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Femaling. We are with Women's Radio Station, and I'm your host, Nicole Goodman. Today, the show that we've got is called The Different Stages of Womanhood, and I'm joined by the absolutely beautiful Sarah Denning. Sarah is an experienced midwife. Um, she practices in Hertfordshire and London. Sarah specialises in treating women and families who have suffered trauma from pregnancy loss during birth. She has always been a huge advocate for giving choice and support to women and has a particular interest in emotional and psychological well-being around fertility, pregnancy, birth and the transition to motherhood. Sarah is also a very old friend of mine and I'm absolutely honoured to have her here on the show. Sarah, welcome to Femaling. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, it's lovely to have you here. So I'm going to give a quick insight into how you and I know each other, if that's okay. Um, Sarah delivered both my babies. She was my, I was lucky enough to have Sarah as my midwife both times with both my girls and my girls are now 12 and nine. So I've known her quite a while. Um, And the one thing about Sarah throughout the whole experience, because I saw you throughout it, didn't I? I saw you like every few weeks throughout my whole pregnancy um, was your calming nature and your the peace that you brought and just the how much you relaxed me throughout both my pregnancies and if I was ever stressed or ever anxious or ever worried about anything the minute I saw your face I just knew that everything was going to be okay um and I think that well it's true and I think that's a real special gift that you've got um and that you really give to women and that's what it says in the in the bio there is one time that really stands out that I would like to talk about actually now so people get people listening get a much better idea of who you are and and what you bring, what you're going to bring today. Um, With my second one, she came thick and fast. And I'm not going to give, you know, a whole boring birth story. But um, I was under a consultant called Mr. Sheridan, who you worked with. And he's, you know, he's very male. He's wonderful, but very, very male. And when I walked into the, um, the birthing suite, I was kind of ready to go. And him and my husband were like kind of deciding what was going to happen and when it was going to happen and and I was kept saying I need an epidural I need never they were like no no it's fine it's fine you don't need it and I was literally ready to shoot somebody um and then all I remember I was feeling quite panicked and then in walked Sarah and she literally like came in through a puff of smoke and she like (laughs) yanked the two men out the way and she's like right I will take it from here I don't know if you lit a candle or I remember it just felt like you lit a candle and you just put some calming music on. And from that point on, I honestly, I remember nothing else apart from your face and this beautiful delivery. And it was, oh, it was lovely. one of the, it, well, it was one of the most magical moments of my life. So, so I thank you for that. Oh, that's made me feel quite emotional. It's, um, it's one of the biggest moments of your life. I think. Well, yeah, it doesn't get much bigger, does it? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, that's that's a terrible description of of how it must have felt to you. But I think you know that happens for a lot of women as they feel sort of they don't feel in control of what's happening. Um, and I think you know my job is always just to support and actually you know, look that woman in the eye and say, I am here with you, because midwife means with a woman. Um, And that's how it should be, is that you are with that woman and supporting her and making her feel like it's, 
you know, it's her birth, not not yours or the doctor's or mine or anybody else's. It's that woman's birth and you should be facilitating doing whatever she needs. But I remember that day too. I remember both of your babies. Oh, <laughs> she used to go. Yeah, not babies anymore. Um, It was just, it was, and the reason that I wanted to bring that story in to start the show off is because the power of what you do and the power of what you bring for women, and you've just, you know, you've just said it beautifully yourself, is so life-changing and so magical. and, And you do it with such grace. So, and the last time that you and I were talking about this and when we were talking before we jumped on the show, uh, we talked about the kind of things that we wanted to we wanted to bring here into this conversation. And one of them was that was how a mother is born when the baby is and yes. how you facilitate that part of a woman's um, of a woman's identity change, I guess, because it is, isn't it? It's enormous. It's, it's absolutely enormous the the transition and. You, I don't know about you, Nick, but you you just can't know how that's going to feel until it happens to you. Um, and there's a lot of talk, especially now, there's a lot of talk about what it's like to be a mother and, and how it will feel. And you do all the preparation that you can, um, but you can only imagine what it's going to feel like um, until you are a mother. And it does change you in... I think most ways you can think of, you're still yourself, obviously, <laughs> but it, it does change you physically, emotionally, psychologically, um, in good ways and, and not so good sometimes. And it, it's a it's a huge event in a woman's life. And I, that is the start of being a mother, is when the baby is born. Um, yeah. And that means very different things to different people. And it obviously, And it means a lot of things that aren't real in in the media, I think, as well. I think it's been portrayed as this sort of Madonna-like status. Um, and you can take some elements of that, but actually real motherhood is hard and dirty and lovely and probably the most difficult thing that you'll do in your life. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so, in, in a way. Everything else I mean is going to be a breeze, honey. <laughs> yeah, especially through bloody lockdown, I'll tell you that. So, um, what do you mean by Madonna-like status? Because that's quite well, an interesting statement. Yeah, it's it's about you know we have this perfect view. Mothers are revered actually in in many um, societies, many communities throughout the world as being a, a sort of almost sort of holy status. You know, and mothers are supposed to be certain things you know then they're certainly not supposed to fart and um (laughs) you know um, (laughs) I didn't think you were gonna say that (laughs) and get across and be impatient and you know all those you know all those normal kinds of stuff that we do all the time um they're supposed to be, you have this image of serenity and being ever loving and ever giving and all those things. And of course, you know, most of us without a second's hesitation would throw ourselves in front of a bus for our children if they were in danger. But it doesn't mean that you aren't your real self and a real person as well with all the flaws that come with it. I, I don't I don't know if you agree or not, but I just feel there's this image of motherhood that has a slight sort of 
halo around it and it's it's a bit of that but it's not real no that's not that's not the reality that's not the daily experience and I like that you said there's a bit of that I would say that you can have those moments but they are fleeting aren't they I mean you have these like euphoric moments of oh my god I just and you know when they're sleeping for example when I look (laughs) at my children and just think god I love you so much I could cry um but they're not but that's not always the reality do you think that that's something that women hold themselves to this like madonna-like status Uh, and i think um i think social media has an awful lot to answer for in that respect um there's that i think then and women look at unreal um descriptions of motherhood you know these um sanitized versions of what they did that day of the smiling mother and you know pictures of their children looking all happy and clean and um and that's you know a tiny bit of it and it isn't real and i think other women hold themselves up to to those standards and get very upset when they fail and they feel like everybody else is doing a really good job um, you know, we've all seen it. We've all seen, oh, you know, my daughter's just done this and she's just achieved that. Or my son's just got into this school or he's done really well in his exams. And that's lovely. But, you know, there's all the other stuff as well. Um, and if your child hasn't done those things or has been particularly horrible that day, I think women feel like, you know, real failures. Um, and do you, do you think that men hold that in the same way? Do you think like that informs fatherhood? I mean, I don't think it does. No, but I'd be interested not. in what I you don't think. think they take any notice of it at all. Um, I, th- I think What's that men. The are difference more... then? Why? Why is that? Yeah, because they don't. Have, they're not under pressure. I think men have come under more pressure to be some kind of father these days. But but before they could be whatever kind of father they liked, um, and nobody really questioned them about it, and they didn't question themselves very much. You know. No. It was, particularly when there were sort of more traditional roles. I think fathers felt that it was just okay to do what they do, and that's good enough. Um, women, I don't think, have ever felt that. But I think now they they feel it more more than ever. I don't know why it is. I don't know if men feel they have more. Men are just sort of, they either think about it less or they're more just more confident about it, or it's just something they do, you know, along with everything else that they do, and they don't worry about it. Um, whereas women worry about most everything. things. Yeah, everything. 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 Yeah. I and I do wonder if during lockdown that this has, um, how it's informing motherhood versus fatherhood. And I know that's not what this conversation is about, but I think there's something changing and dare I say moving backwards for a woman in terms of equality, in terms of, you know, prioritising her work or... I feel like the load has been dumped back on a woman. Um, well, and if the, I, yeah, <laughs> no, the the doors have been opened, haven't they? The hell pit's been opened, and everybody's been thrown in it, and the door's been shut. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Let's see what happens. And yeah, I think so. I mean, I've been reading lots about um, people's perspectives of how things have changed since lockdown, and it has been a movement backwards. I think women have ended up. Um, in a lot of cases, not all by any means, but in a lot of cases with the bulk of the childcare and the bulk of the housework, um, again, 
I think that has again yeah. again you know you know why I think this is my and this is just my theory is that we haven't you know women kind of they um they outsource stuff so it's not that the men have been picking and I'm sure there's exceptions to every rule I'm taught I'm being very generic here very generic um and I think what women do is they'll outsource it to other people. So they'll get cleaners in to maybe help them with the house if they can, or they'll get some childcare in. Um, but I don't see it going over to the, it's not that the men are stepping up. So during lockdown, you know, we haven't been able to have access to that extra help and therefore mm. it's fallen back onto a woman. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, because I think, you know, men men are lovely. Let's not. This is not a, a, a sort of a dad bashing session by any means. I think dads are absolutely wonderful, but but I think they don't mind so much about about stuff. You know, it's it maybe it's maybe it's something to do with our need to have control of our environment. But but I think most men, if the house is untidy, are not going to be that. They just either don't see it or it doesn't bother them. Um, whereas for women, I think. <laughs> It, it it does bother them and yes. it can make them feel less in control if there's all that you know mess going on and um, let me let me be completely transparent absolutely this is not this is not a man bashing situation I actually think that we should they are showing us the way to be I think it is it is simplistic and it is there is freedom and it is that there's something very easy about the way in which my husband parents and and he's a great father by the way he's incredibly hands-on but the things that I'm haunted by he just simply is not and the things that my friends are haunted by their husbands are simply not and I think that that is something that we can learn from I don't see that as a, I think it's a great thing okay let's take thing. this forward let's take this sure. forward a little bit and put yourself in your house during lockdown and there's mess everywhere and you've decided that it's not your your responsibility and your husband is quite happy for it not to be his responsibility and yep. the kids are not even taking any notice of it and nobody <laughs> does anything about it okay what what is going on in your mind at that point I mean um, I'm already having an anxiety attack just as you're exactly, saying it Sarah <laughs> exactly because you're thinking about it you're looking at it in your mind and you're thinking what's going to happen with all that, I, I can't, I feel out of control. I feel anxious about the situation, you know, and that's why women do it because they feel those feelings of anxiety. It takes away some of their control over what yes. they, what women still see as their environment. Yes. Um, where in yes. fact it's a shared environment. You know, your children are old enough to be, have responsibility for some of that environment, but the amount of shouting that would have to go on to make them do the things you do, you end up doing it yourself in the end. So how do we how do we work around this? Because this is one of the stages of womanhood, isn't it? And I think it's a, it's an enormous one, an enormous one that we need to take the pressure off of ourselves. I don't think we help the situation like like you just beautifully pointed out. A woman wouldn't be able to sit there with the mess around her, whereas a man can. Well, and I can you've got sometimes, to watch, but not always. <laughs> but you've got to ask who's got it wrong and who's got it right. Well, you've got to have a look at. Um, yes, you've got, you have got to look at that. You've got to look at the, this is the situation. What can we do about it? Um, and it, but it depends where you're coming at that situation from. So if you've got a partner 
the father of your children who isn't bothered by that situation um, and you've got um, the mother who is bothered by that situation, he is going to be much less likely to do something about it because it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, if you turn it around and, and let's take some, let's be really, really sexist and take something really sort of traditionally male, like, you know, if he's got a motorbike and the engine's not working, um, <laughs> you just think, oh dear, it's a shame. Um, whereas he would be very worried about that and want to sort it out and it would matter to him a lot. And to, to him, it may be that things that happen in the home feel exactly like that. So you're not going to get much, you know, you have to have a very grown up discussion about why that matters to you and what it makes you feel like and perhaps compare it to something that, that he has or does that feels the same way to him. You could say, what what would worry you if it wasn't working, if it, if it was in a mess? How can we solve that? That's how I feel about being in the house. So it's getting the other person to appreciate what that means to you. And if you've got a good partnership, they will mind that it matters to you. Like if you've got a good partnership, you will mind that what happens with his motorbike yeah. because you know how it affects him. It's having that kind of conversation, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's communication. It's constant communication and finding a way where you can just understand one another. But the beauty of of women is that I can look at one of my girlfriends, and I'm sure you have this too, and I can just give her a look or she can give me a look. And we've had a whole conversation, a whole conversation. And it doesn't even need to be a woman that you know very well. You still have a whole conversation. Whereas I'm still having the same conversations with with the man that I've been with for 16 years the same, still have to go point by point by point. We still have to communicate so clearly with each other. But women just know how to do that together, don't they? It's so special. It's special and it can be, it, if it's done in a nice way, it, it is lovely. Um, but if it's done in a way that, you know, we, we all know, you go into a room that's got other women in it and you've, you've clocked them and sized them up you know, before you even look at the rest of the room. It, yeah. can, it can be a blessing and it can be not such a nice thing. And the, and the trouble is we apply those, those standards to ourselves. We over-criticise ourselves all the time. We are over-critical of our own yeah. selves. And one of the things I say to um, a lot of clients that I have is, is use your observing self. Um, we all sort of in a situation if you if you're in a difficult situation sometimes you may talk yourself through that in your head and think right I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to get through this by doing this this and this don't we do you know what I mean it's we've yes. all done we all do it and I say I say to them that you should try and be with your observing self your own best friend because if you treated your dearest, think about your dearest, most loved friend. If you treated her in the way that you treat your own self in your head, she would never speak to you again. Never, never, never. If you said never. to her, you look fat in that, <laughs> you've had too much to eat, you've been really lazy, you're not very clever, nobody really likes you very much, yep. you've done the wrong thing. Would you say that to your, your dearest friend? No. But, but yeah, we say no, because you just want to celebrate one another, don't you? I love my friend. I want her to feel brilliant about herself. 
Yeah, well, you should want to feel brilliant about your own self as well. But I think a lot, most women don't do that. We are really good at criticising ourselves and saying we're not good enough and we don't measure up. But we are no good at being our own best friend. And you should like I yourself lots and lots, the best, before you, you can form, you know, really good friendships with other people. Where does this begin, Sarah? I mean, in all your years of working with women, where do you think this starts from, this this critical, horrible way of being towards ourselves? Well, I hesitate to say this because I'll probably get um, lots of um, knives thrown at me, but it starts with other women um, wow. in the playground. Um, yes. And it starts, it's, yes. The criticism starts very, very young in the playground with other girls um, and it, some of it will have come from observing how our parents roles were um, observing how women I remember my mother for instance always used to um, rush off and brush her hair and put lipstick on for when before my father got home from work um, I still do that with Adam every day and I get up no <laughs> Do you I really? Up, I was going to say I get up forty-five minutes early to make myself all pretty for him. No, I don't. Do would he know? He wouldn't. He wouldn't notice, Sarah. He wouldn't notice. <laughs> no, but it was that kind of thing. I mean, and we don't do that. And thank goodness your daughters don't see you doing that because it, that, that gives very strong messages on what's acceptable yes. and you yes. know yes. which is the right way. But I think other other girls. We measure ourselves by we're we're very sort of psychologically and emotionally aware, as even as very small children, um, and that's where it begins. Um, and I think now with social media, you know, trying to become a mother since the advent of social media is so much harder because you've got not only your immediate um, peer group and your own community you've got the community of the world telling you how to be a mother oh. and what the standards are and oh. most of them are not real no no we only ever see I tell this to my clients all the time you only ever see a snapshot of what someone wants to show you it is a snapshot it is not reality it is one minute of their life you don't it see is. You don't see the rest of it. You don't see the rest of what goes on behind. I oft, I talk to people about this a lot, about when they put something sort of picturesque up or pitch perfect, because I'm fascinated by the psychology that lives behind it and why we do these things. Um, and one of my clients said to me that her, she saw her friend put up all of these cooking and baking photos, you know, through lockdown. And one was her daughter sitting at the desk and one was then they got like all these lovely cupcakes in front of them. And she said to her friend, like, oh, my God, you look like you are completely and utterly rocking lockdown. Like, I feel like I'm not doing anything with my children. And the friend turned around and said, oh, my God, it has been a nightmare of a day. I just put those up because, well, because I guess she wants to make herself feel good. So it wasn't even true. And then this woman, who was so irritated by her friend doing that, went and did the same thing the next day. <laughs> so it's just this knock-on effect of who are we trying to impress? What are we trying to say? Wouldn't it have been great if she'd put up these taken pictures at the time when the daughter was not measuring things in the right way? And you're saying, let me do it. Don't make that mess. <laughs> Don't touch it. I'll do it. Go and wash your hands before I take a photo. Um, 
you know, of, of the mess that was in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, you, the warmth that would have come from other women, because when, when women do occasionally put up reality pictures of what actually life is like in their homes, the outpouring of warmth and, oh, thank God, me too, um, yeah. Yeah. is enormous. Yeah. You know, you'll get lots of likes for the for the sanitized pictures of the cupcakes that have been finished and the washing up that's been hidden. Um, of oh, that looks lovely. Oh, you know, that's amazing and how great. And there will be a lot of secret envy going on and thinking, Do, really, does everybody else really manage that? Why can't I? But if somebody does occasionally put a real post up saying it was absolutely awful, you know, that everything fell on the floor and I shouted at the kids and we burned half of them um, and I wish I'd never started it. The, and they're the upstairs crying and rocking yeah. in their bedrooms. Yeah, yeah. the daughters run upstairs saying, I hate you. I never want to talk to you again. I, I don't want to do any cooking ever again. You're mean. Um, you know, I used to fit when I used to do finger painting with my kids, I used to think, I don't know why I used to have a memory blip every time I did it I swore I'd never do it again and then a few weeks go by and you think yeah let's do some craft um so you get all the finger paints out and you get the paint out and they just make an absolute mess and you just end up really cross and frustrated and it would take you three hours to get all yep. the fingerprints off all the furniture for about 10 minutes painting and then they got bored and ran off and did something else um and you forget, and you, you know, even then when there wasn't any social media, I used to, you know, I was sucked in by this, you know, let's all craft together or let's do cooking or let's do that. Yes. You either end up yes. taking over it because they're not doing it properly, um, which means they lose all interest. And it's, it's the same old thing. It's just it wasn't plastered all over social media. Well, we, did, we didn't have access to it, but we do. We are completely we get completely seduced by this comparison monkey. And well, yeah, I mean, I think what's happening now is that, that you end up doing things so that you can put them on social media, you know, yes. and what's happening there. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. And mm. it's even like sometimes even down to like having a Fitbit, for example, or, you know, like a, an Apple watch. Well, is there any point in doing the exercise if I can't record it? Like, it, it, have I even done it? Like, we, you know, have I even had a good day if I haven't put the post up? It's this really weird, we have it's to pressure, prove everything. More pressure, more yeah. pressure. So what yeah, are we it, proving? But what are we proving? That we're worthy, that we're valid, that we are able to take up space? Like, what is it that women are trying to prove? Um, that's a, a really, really good question. And... I wish I had the answer to it, but I don't. It makes me very sad, actually, I think, oh, because, yeah. you know, I've looked after... Uh, women are fantastic creatures. I love women. I have two daughters. Um, I loved my job as a midwife. There is, They are the strongest, most flexible, kind wonderful, clever, intelligent creatures, um, women, um, emotionally really, really hooked in. And it makes, it makes me sad as the years have gone by to see that there seems to be even more pressure 
in different ways. I don't think it's changed very much. I think the, the pressure is more evident. I wonder if, you know, women have always, always been the same. You know, I, I think back to Victorian times and what life was like then, pretty awful. Um, throughout history, things for women have been in some ways pretty much the same. I mean, thank God we have, you know, people have generally realised now that women are actually very intelligent creatures and can hold down incredibly powerful jobs, um, quite rightly. But they still, you still get the woman who, who will be a CEO earning an incredible salary, doing an amazing job, who will still go home and have the same issues we've just been talking about within the household. I don't know what it is. I wish I did. I, I always say that, um, and this is part of what fuels me as being a woman's coach. And I am so like you. I, I celebrate women. I love women. I They're also great, have to, aren't they? They're the best. They're the best. There's nothing better than being around around a very open-hearted woman. It's just the the conversation is is my favourite. That you. I can't have you can't communicate the same way that you with a man that you can with a woman and that's no disrespect that's just a it's just a fact it's just a completely different way of connecting and being together and I love sisterhood and I love womanhood and I think that there's such a gap in exactly what you're talking about in how a woman sees herself and how she holds herself regardless of what she is doing or how she is or what she has in her life she will always find ways to tear herself down and my my big statement and i probably said it on this show a hundred times is we can have all the international women's days in the world but if a woman still looks in the mirror and hates what she sees then really how far have we come not bloody very we haven't and i think in some ways we've gone backwards really i think women are so self-critical but it comes back again to this inner friend um, yes, and you can change the way that you th- you think about yourself. Um, you can use your observing self to, and you can do it from from now. It'd be a very good exercise for anyone that's listening to to try it. Is is next time um, you do look in the mirror, is think about being your own best friend. Don't think about being your enemy. I mean, our bodies are amazing and and I know everyone will think yeah we've all heard that before they bear babies and they but your body is the house that you live in you live in your body and it does incredible things for you on a second by second basis throughout the whole of your life um, including bearing children and all we do is give it a really hard time we punish it we punish our bodies what are we doing what, what is that about why are you punishing the place that you live in do you I, see I that do you yeah. see that a lot in your work in All terms of time. how yeah how a woman feels about her body in terms of her body image you mean all the time body image is One of the things that I say, um, I ask women when they come in for the initial booking appointment at at the beginning of pregnancy, um, to break the ice, um, I have to ask about sort of diet and, um, you know, nutritional input and 
you could say, do you eat a good diet? And they could say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could just tick the box and say, yes, they eat a good diet. Do you eat fish and veggies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't. I, I generally started off and say, now, look, I'm going to talk about food. If you live in the West, Western world and you are a woman, there is not a woman in the Western world who doesn't have some kind of issue around food. So you can be as frank as you like. I'm going to ask you some questions and you can be as honest as you like. Um, I'd like you to be. And there are always, always issues. Um, they may not surface immediately. We may have to chat around the subject for 10 minutes or so. Um, but they'll come and there are clues and um, it's it's nearly all of them. You know, we oh. all have, you know, I'm 61 and most people would think, well, when you get to that sort of dinosaur age, surely you don't care anymore. Um, surely it doesn't matter anymore. And, it, you know, it's not true. I still care what I look like. Absolutely, but yeah. the, but then I don't. But I don't think there's anything wrong in that. Like I think there's a. Yeah, there's nothing wrong in it. It's it's when it gets to a point where you start yes. not liking yourself. Yes. Yes. You, and and most women will have little little patches of their life where they think, yeah, yeah, I'm. You know, I look pretty. I'm pretty cool with that man. I'm okay with that. Um, but an awful lot of their life, they will think that's not good enough. When I was in the in the sort of deep dark depths of my disordered eating, mm. um, that that it's not good enough. It's not good enough. I'd look in the mirror every day, and it was never good enough. And, and it's never going to be good enough. And I'm never going to be light enough. And I'm never going to be thin enough. And I was never going to be, you know, muscly enough or ripped enough or whatever it was of the day that I was beating myself up about. Mm. And it wasn't until I looked back at a photo when I started to sort of heal and get a bit better about it with it all and get a bit more balance with my food and a bit more balance with my exercise um and I'm and I'm I'm glossing over this because I've spoken about this so many times on here um but it wasn't until I looked back and I remember taking a photo it was I was on holiday I just got back from holiday with my family and I felt like you know a hippopotamus because I'd eaten god knows what and hadn't trained properly and and I looked back and that the day that I took that photo, I felt bloated. I felt revolting. I couldn't believe I was taking it. I didn't. I didn't know why I took it. I was in a bikini. Um, I was skin and bone. I was skin and bone, and I didn't see it. I saw a fat woman. I was yeah. in a size six jeans, and I saw a fat woman. That is how disordered we can get with our thinking and our eating. Granted, I was not well. I mean, I wasn't ever medicated or anything like that. And I pulled myself out of it, thank God. But the, what I'm what I'm talking to is, is very, very common for women. And yeah. people think that that, can ju that is just part of their daily experience. But it, but it isn't. And it shouldn't be because it's not healthy. And it's sad. And it robs you of, of being you. It robs you of so much. It takes over. The, the whole of your day is organized around how you're going to manage your eating and your exercise. Oh. And the rest of your, your day, your real day, your real interaction, your real life is secondary to what needs to happen. Yes. Um, in order for you to feel good about yourself, how little food you can get away with eating, how long you can make yourself exercise. Um, and it's that's so, it's so it's, upsetting. It's, it's, it's a it's terrible so place to be. And the the other thing, 
I mean, thank God you have a lovely open relationship with your girls and you talk to them about it and they will have learned from it. The other thing is that children will see all of that um, if you're a mother and they'll be absorbing that. And those are some, that is something they will carry forward with them unless, you know, you can be very honest with them about why that happened and what it felt like because they yeah. see, even though we think they don't, they they get the subtle lessons of what is acceptable and what you should be striving for. But if you think about that on a on a level, going back to your observing self, Nick, and think about, you know, what how what hatred you had of your body in in order to to be able to do those things to it, to yeah. inflict that yeah. on it. And it, you know, this is what's got to change, is that yeah. you have to become the best of friends with the body you've got which is you know our bodies are incredible they are they are adapting minute by minute to protect us from illness and injury to repair themselves to to keep you going to look after you to house your psyche and your brain and everything that sits inside it and you know if we were logical about this we would look in the mirror every day and say, you're doing the best job ever. Thank you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for looking after me mm. and for growing my babies and feeding them and keeping me strong and keeping me disease-free and enabling me to live in this beautiful world that we have. Beautiful. Beautiful. That so beautiful. Is, that is the way that you should be looking at your face and body in the mirror each day. Because if you didn't have that body, you couldn't be here. And there's that beautiful saying, isn't there? Like, exercise and eat well because you love your body, not because you hate it. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's putting into you know, my dribbly ramblings. Into the- <laughs> no, your, dri- your, dribbly, your dribbly <laughs> ramblings were amazing. Like, be your own best friend. Be you your abs- own best friend. And not just just for your body, but for your mind and your heart and your soul and your dreams and your wants and your needs. And honour them all. Honour yeah. them all. I do, I do a, um, I have a six-week, I call it a self-empowerment boot camp. And I take six women for six weeks and we go through all the different stages that helps them become a much yeah. more empowered version of themselves and it is the most beautiful thing to watch a woman realize and see herself through con- a completely different lens women have this one lens the lens that you're talking about which is just just critique just yeah. rip yourself to pieces rip yourself to shreds and I've seen all these women on the whatsapp group and on the calls supporting one another being so incredible to one another and then when I ask them to to say okay now that you've said that to to blah blah now say that to yourself it is such yeah. a struggle you know when it, that's one good thing to do is when you look in the mirror or when you are reflecting self-reflecting if you think a thought like that think would I say that to my best friend Mm. would I think that about her would I do that to her and if you wouldn't you know it's the wrong thing to do for yourself yeah yeah 
you know it's it's really really sad that why don't we give ourselves permission to be kind to ourselves what is that um I think, uh, yeah, I was talking to another friend about this, um, something very similar recently. And I think certainly with my generation, um, there was a lot of repression of any, of liking yourself, really. There was, you know, a lot of our mothers said, don't show off, don't, don't make yourself, don't make a spectacle of yourself. Don't, don't stand out, basically. Yeah, don't blow your own trumpet. That was the worst yeah. one, is don't, you know, you don't self-congratulate yourself. You can always be better. And I hesitate to go into it, but I think I used to, my grandmother used to take us to church a lot, and I think there's quite a lot of sort of fire and brimstone about, you know, not showing off and not not thinking you're great and, you know, you're just a you know, very tiny little speck of sand in the grand scheme of things. And I think I think there's probably a bit of over that um, in a lot of families when children are young, because um, when I had my children, I used to tell them, you know, not unrealistic things, but I used to say to them every day, you are wonderful. You know, not that they could win everything. You know, you don't win everything. You learn to lose and you learn to know that people are better at you than with with some things. But you can you can get better at it. It's fine. And your best is always good enough. Um, but up until, you know, right up until in their 20s, I used to send them a message or, or ring them and say, you are a wonderful child. Oh, because, yeah, even 25 years old, you are a wonderful child. Because my view on that is if you can't tell your children that they're great, you know, there are millions of other people outside your front door who are going to be very quick to tell your children they're not good enough or they're not going to make it. Um, But you have to be the one who says you are a wonderful child. You know, whatever, whatever they can or can't do, achievements are not the thing it's it's the it's who they are it's who, who they are. are and I don't think there was enough of that I think uh, you know a lot okay. of children were very repressed when they were young and, and you do believe what your parents say about you when you're little you take in messages that oh you're a good example actually is my mother always used to say to me when I was little is if I didn't do very well at, at maths at school she'd say Oh, none of our family are good. We're we're not a good maths family. Nobody can do maths in our family. Okay. And strangely enough, I'm one of five children. None of us did well in maths at school. And some years later, when I was in my 30s, I thought, I don't know about this. I sort of realised, is that true? So I did maths A level um, when I was after I'd had the kids, just to see. And actually, I really enjoyed it. And Work I thought, you know, all those years, um, and I think a lot of messages that we're given as children from our mothers who are terrified that we're going to make a noise or show them up or, or you know, be overconfident or be a show-off, heaven forbid. Well, it, it, it informs us of who we are. It informs mm. us of how we relate to ourselves. It does. That's it? a much better way of putting it, actually, yeah. And then, and, and also, and I loved what you said before about 
the other girls in the playgrounds they also inform you of who you are yeah they also all of these life experiences you you take on without even realizing and i think you use the word absorb you absorb it all um to then and and it then tells you who you're going to be and you run with it and then it, then you get these belief systems in your head right like i'm not good at maths I'm not good at maths. My family aren't good at maths. Therefore, guess what? You're not going to be good at maths. But I love that you that you kind of defied it and thought, hold on a second, I'm going to challenge that. Not many people would do that. But it took a long time for me to do that. I mean, I was in my 30s by the time I did that. It's, it wasn't it wasn't something. I think, you know, there is a transition talking about motherhood. Mm-hmm. Once I had my own children, a lot of things, a lot of my self-perceptions, I challenged a lot of them because I think you suddenly realise when you become a parent, and this is quite important, you realise when you become a parent, you've got to become, you've got to become the version of yourself that is is good enough for these new new lives that you're going to be responsible for. And I think you do challenge a lot of your old preconceptions motherhood can bring with it a huge amount of confidence that you didn't have before um in in lots of ways it it can go both ways but there are some areas where you think i've got to step up here i've got to step up there are people depending on me now these babies are depending on me to be the best person i can be for them and i think it makes you less afraid in lots of ways there are things that you will challenge and take on and sort out that you really wouldn't have done before um you have to you have you you're forced to do it you you have to you you know if, if my kid is upset or i have to go and deal with something for my kid i don't even question about oh I can't say that or I can't do this and I don't want to upset this person I just I just go for it because her needs are the most important thing to me in that moment but when it comes to our own needs obviously it's a completely it's completely different well it comes down to the same thing you see it's doing that on behalf of your child you've got two things going on there you've got your sort of your your maternal instinct or your protective instinct going on um and you're doing it on somebody else's behalf not on your own yes and you know it's like if if you've got a friend who's who's having a problem with someone else being unkind to them you you have no hesitation in on behalf of your friend defending them because it's dissociation you're doing it on behalf of someone else but when you have to stand up for yourself and you're doing it on behalf of your own self. That often um, doesn't happen because this little, these little voices of, do you deserve it? You're not good enough. It doesn't matter. Maybe they're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, maybe we get small right. again. We get small again, get don't small. we? Yeah, yeah. Because we're not. We listen. We've been taught for so many for forever that we're not allowed to take up space. We're not. We have to be polite and good and you know live in the expectation of what a woman is supposed to be of course that has changed enormously because it needed to but I still believe that the the same um the same demons follow us and the same expectations follow us and I think we still live from a place of guilt and people pleasing and 
just trying to keep within those confines. We yeah. do, but we can change. We can change those things. We can certainly change them for our children. Yes. Um, and I've seen that in my own children, is that they are not, you know, I've never used that. They, they don't show off, but they are confident in themselves um, going into the world. They are confident that they are, that they are valid, contributing people in society and they have they have a part to play they have a role to play um, and that has been probably my single biggest achievement in my life is to see that because that is just fantastic um, that's that's my lifetime achievement yeah it was yeah it's be- what a beautiful thing and, and all, all those those moments of the finger painting and the blood sweat and tears and the parenting all of it and then you oh, see there was, these lo- people. There was loads of shouting <laughs> yeah. yeah good because there's loads of shouting in my house Everybody loads shouts. of shouting come on it's it's normal but I don't I don't trust people that don't lose it I mean how can you not lose it oh I, I mean but that's I, another thing no that that is another thing it's I look at people that never lose it and I think, how do you do that? I used to say to my children after I chatted at them, I got them all together once and I said, now look, we need to have a discussion here. You know that I'm going to lose it because my my temperature chain is about one centimetre long, don't you? You know that I'm going to shout and you know that about 30 seconds after that, I'm going to come and say, I'm sorry I shouted at you. And they said, yes, we know. So I said, okay, just so long as we know what the pattern is. It's very difficult <laughs> for me not to shout, but you know that I'm going to say sorry. <laughs> just, well, you, well, you um, just summed um, up my parenting in yeah. a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> we do it. It's normal. It's normal. It's normal. And it, look, get, there's, yeah. there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure to be a woman today. It takes a lot of staying calm it takes a lot of zen if I can ever find it you know it, it takes sometimes it takes all my energy just to not shout or not lose it and I admire people that especially women I admire them that can they can keep their cool I just can't but I'm a very probably like you I'm a very passionate person and I feel everything I feel every piece of joy and I feel every piece of frustration that's kind of how I'm built Okay, well, you find me a mother. You stand a mother in front of me who has never shouted at her children. And if you can find one, I would be amazed. Never, ever. I'm thinking to all my friends and then there's no one. There's no one. Well, even if they says they haven't, they will have. (laughs) How could you you not? It's because motherhood pushes you to every single extreme possible. Well, children are designed to do that because they're designed to push that boundaries and that's how they gain independence. But I think the important thing there is I was never afraid and never felt it was inappropriate to apologise to my children as well. You know, an an awful lot of old-fashioned parents, my parents never said sorry to me about about whether if they were wrong about you know there's one of five kids you know they just sort of pick one and blame them for whatever had happened um and quite a lot of the time they'd have got it wrong but I cannot ever remember one of my parents saying to me I'm sorry I was wrong and children have a very well-defined sense of justice and if you are able to say 
I shouted at you. Um, it wasn't your fault. I'm sorry. It was my fault. I was, you know, I was just having a bad moment or it wasn't you or anyway, I'm sorry. Do you forgive me? Um, I think the ability to say that makes makes things better. But just going back also, to the point that we, sorry, go on. yeah, go on. No, I was going to say it, it mm. teaches them how to apologise too. I think it's a wonderful thing. Absolutely, that absolutely really really important important point. Um, well, what were you going to say? Going back to what? I point? just sort of going back to um, that defending defending our children and defending our friends and being very good as mothers to to be able to defend other people and feeling stronger and more able to do that but it's this ability to defend our own selves not in a not in a sort of aggressive sort of way but to be the advocate be your own best friend that that is probably the single most important thing and the next time you start sort of in your head saying oh you stupid thing why did you do that don't do that imagine you're talking to your best friend and think okay well that didn't go so well but you know it's okay well it's it's taking that moment isn't it to 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 be aware be aware of how you talk to yourself so that you can then yeah change it so it's it's very important to try and do that because you've got to catch it right you've got to catch it before you've got to catch it you have got to catch you've got to be aware that you're doing it you can do that um, it takes a bit of practice, but you'll find that your life is much nicer because in your own body, you'll have you'll have a really good mate on board instead of someone who's always sort of poking you with a sharp stick and saying, you know, you did crap today. And also, you can only, re- not can only rely on yourself, but you'll always have yourself to rely on. The one thing I always say to my clients that have worked through something and got to the other side, I always say, that's yours now. That's yours. Yeah. Nobody else's, not your kids, not your husband's, not your partner's, not your friend's, yours. And that's just empowering in itself, right? Because nobody gets to take that from you because you've learned it for yourself. So you just get to own it. Yes, I think that's, that's a really, really big point that you've made there is, is, that, is that allowing yourself to have some things for yourself. I think a lot of mothers feel like their life is for other people yeah. um, and not for themselves, um, particularly when your children are small um, or even young. I think that women feel that, you know, their lives are all about everybody else. Um, and that, that point that you've just made is that we are still ourselves inside that, that person is still the person you always were. Um, and you have to reclaim that back and but be kind be kind be kind be kind and and know know who you are not who you are not which goes back to you sitting in your observing self and and catching that critical part of you yeah it's amazing isn't it I mean I've worked with women all my adult life and you've worked with women all your adult life and there's I always say there's nothing a woman can say to me that I haven't heard a hundred times over. Um, and, but there is and also, there is also no, nothing, no one else except another woman that, in my experience, that where you laugh yourself till you're nearly sick. I mean, there are just situations yeah. that, yeah. you know, that, that humour 
um, because you just know each other so well. well yes yes and we get each other onto on such a different on in such an incredible level because we can understand what lives deep down in our souls yeah and we get and we can get to that point right I mean my best friend and I we from the second we're together we are our, our husbands find us so annoying to be around because we don't stop <laughs> we find each other hilarious yeah. and when we say when our kids are around us, they're like, why are they laughing so much? And my friend will say to my kids, your mummy is so funny. And my kids are like, she's not funny. I'm like, she, she's, oh, so she's hilarious. You know, we see, but what we see in each other is, it's just magic. That That is what we see in each other. And, and I hope that we will always remind each other of that. And I think that that's a beautiful thing that women can do for one another is just to remind them of, of who we are because we're all in this together and we all have our own doubt and we all have our own little demons sitting on our shoulder and our, our own critical self that can really take can really take a hold and and I think that's something that we need to do for each other with each other is to be very much in support of yeah one we another. do we do you need to put your best friend in your head that's that's uh, your lovely best friend that you laugh with all the time and she needs you in her head whenever you look in the mirror yeah um that's uh, although, she, although she's very critical but maybe i'll pick another friend what is that top you're wearing it's disgusting you know that kind of thing um yeah i'll pick another one but yes we do we need we need we need to be in order for us to get to where we want to get to, we need to be kinder to ourselves, for ourselves, and understand what it is that we bring to the table. Yes, and, and understand the, the the prejudices and the subliminal messages that have probably led us to the place that we we are now. Um, well, it's, so it's, that we can undo them. Yes. And I always say, and I've probably said this a hundred times too, it's an unlearning to be, to, to do some work on yourself and be part of the self-development and want to grow as a person, as a woman. There's a lot of stuff we have to unlearn that we has just been, that has just been built into us through systems that we don't even realise. It's so, it's just social conditioning, isn't yeah. it? It, it absolutely yeah I think you've, you've summed that up beautifully it is social conditioning but you know women continue to be wonderful um yes and just the best fun Sarah thank you so much for being here on female today you are an absolute joy to listen to it's been amazing to have your wise words here and thank you well it's been great talking to you actually that's always a treat I've done it for a long time <laughs> <laughs> You have been listening to the Female in Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Goodman. Thank you so much for your time and for listening today. If you loved this podcast and found value in it, please go and subscribe, write a brilliant review and go and share it with your friends who need a bit of femaling in their world. You can find me on all social media channels for more of my work, Instagram at Nicole Goodman underscore coach, Facebook, Nicole Goodman Women's Identity Coach, and you can also find my private Facebook group where all the magic and conversation happens with a really amazing community of women. Thank you again for joining me today. This has been Femaling. I'll be back next week with another episode. And remember, 
fact, it is the most exciting time to be a woman.